Welcome to another week of the Bookish Life podcast. I'm Sarah Putman, the owner of Bookish. I'm Philip Blackburn, <laughs> the pastor of First Presbyterian Church. Yeah, you know, we're, we have listener emails now, so we have to be specific. That's right. About, who we are. That's right. Got to say who we are. Yes, we do have listener emails, which we'll get to yeah. uh, later on in the episode, I think. How are you, Sarah? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. It's a beautiful day here in Fort yes. Smith. We have some nice fancy chairs mm-hmm. down here we do. in the office space. Although, full disclosure, you'll never perceive this on the podcast, but the chair rolls so well that I've been drifting away from the microphone <laughs> as... We've been talking, so I'm, I'm, you know, if Phil drifts out, it is because my chair has slowly rolled away. Maybe we'll be equal if you drift out a little bit. Maybe our our sound will be right. That would be good. (laughs) Well, anyway, let's talk about. Well, I've I've actually been dying to get here and talk about. Now is not the time to panic. Yes, because I did it a terrible injustice Uh last week, and as I told Phil, this is going to be one of my top books of the year. So now is definitely the time to panic. Panic, people. <laughs> no. Okay, so tell me. Tell me. So you've been listening to the audio book. I did. I had to listen to the audio, which isn't a bad thing, I, but I do wish I had a copy mm-hmm. in front of me so I could read some some bits to you, but it doesn't come out until November um, or at least maybe late October, but it's mm-hmm. not out yet and I don't have an advanced copy, so I only got an advanced listening mm-hmm. copy. Yep. Um, and then I, after I read it, I the author has a letter um, which was beautiful, and it's about his friend Eric, who has passed away. Um, but Eric, there's a slogan in the book that as it's it's repeated a million times, and I can never remember it. So I wrote yeah. it down, and the slogan is, it's part of the art that mm-hmm. they've created, right? Mm-hmm. And it says, the edge is a shanty town filled with gold seekers. We are fugitives, and the law is skinny with hunger for us. Oh, and so this became yeah. this the 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 words that Frankie put on this piece of art that was distributed all over um, their their small hometown, Coalfield, and um, it just became this sort of mantra for her throughout her whole life. And so even as an adult, mm-hmm. she says that she tells it to her child as they go to sleep. And it's just oh, kind of this yeah. thing. Um, but it was at least the first part of it was something that. Um, Kevin Wilson's friend from college mm-hmm. sort of said, um, and they had, you know, that relationship whenever you're a young person and you're trying to figure out who you are and you meet people that are so cool and they give you the time of day. Mm-hmm. And it's just that really weird mentor mentee yeah. friendship bond uh-huh. that you have. Um, and I think they sort of stayed friends for a long time and Eric passed away. And so this kind of became a way for the author to sort of talk about that really pivotal moment in his life. But even without that, you'll pick up on that when you yeah. read the book, especially if you're a kid of the 90s. Uh-huh. You know, it's all about, you know, finding yourself, um, you know, that feeling of trying to figure out who you are when you're a kid. But then when you're an adult, you're still kind of doing it. Yep. And you go back to your past mm-hmm. and it's, not going to make you find mm-hmm. yourself. Right. It's just this weird, like constant struggle to figure out who you are. Well, if somebody with has, art woven in. has slept since last week. Yeah. Or just go uh, back and listen to it. Right. Just, just give us a quick <laughs> thumbnail of what is this novel about? Yeah. Okay. So this is the story of Frankie and Zeke, um, who kind of meet one summer and in the nineties in, in a small town in Tennessee, which is another thing I love about Kevin Wilson is his small town mm-hmm. vibes. Um, 
and create this piece of art with the quote that I just said, the edge is a shanty town filled with gold seekers. We are fugitives and the law is skinny with hunger for us. And so, and Frankie, the, the female character is kind of the writer yeah. in the group. And Zeke is the visual artist, but they'd also discovered this copy machine and like Frankie's mom's garage. And I guess in the nineties, it was kind of cool, like play around mm -hmm. the copy machine. And so they make just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands by the time it's over copies of this piece of art. And it actually has their blood on the original. Like they cut themselves. Yeah. Oh my. And stuff on it, yeah. So it's kind of intense, uh -huh. but they just posted it anonymously all over town. Um, and years later, when we are introduced to Frankie as an adult, um, the reporter refers to it as the Coalfield panic of 1996. So it like, like people don't know who it is. And so they assume it's like Satan worshipers mm -hmm. or these kidnappers who like steal your children mm -hmm. and which it like all kinds of crazy stuff is who they're attributing this to. And, and it just kind of, that does that thing where it kind of goes too far where you can't say it was me. Like, right. Yeah. It's me now. <laughs> um, so it's the secret mm -hmm. that they both hold their entire lives. So, it, so there's time, it, there's time shifts yeah. in the book. We, okay. I think at the very beginning, it starts with the reporter calling Frankie okay. and going, well, you wouldn't know anything about this Coalfield panic. Mm -hmm. you know, I guess she's like, I know that it was you. And then flashback and mm -hmm. we kind of sort of see, and we get those bits and pieces mm -hmm. as it goes. Um, so how would you characterize it? Is it, is it like dramatic? Is it kind of comedic satire? Is it no, it's um, not satire? It's funny because his, mm -hmm. his writing is just it has kind of a whimsy to it. it a little whimsy, yeah. a little very witty. Uh -huh. um, and of course, I think we talked last time about her brothers and how they were kind of funny characters mm -hmm. and the mom you're going to love. She's really good. Um, and, and there's like quirky things where like, you know, the mom is characterized later and she's like wearing her tracksuit and her boyfriend is dead at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, just like really interesting, quirky, mm -hmm. fun, relatable though. Yeah. Small town characters. Um, but just also really good writing. Like mm -hmm. he can like, throw a, throw mm -hmm. some words on a page and, and create an mm -hmm. image for you. And again, I wish I had, um, wish I had a piece, but I don't, sorry. But so we're going to have to look forward to this. Yeah, out please do. Soon. It's so good. And he also has, will it be the book club in November? No, we don't do book club in November uh -huh. just because turkeys. Yeah. Because we have to celebrate colonialism instead. Yeah. Yeah which we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> um, but no, we don't do that. We not, October's our last real book club. Mm. And then we have, um, we do a Christmas party where we do a exchange. Okay. Exchange. Okay. But speaking of book club, yeah. you read our book club book. I'm going to give you a little preview. It's called the trees. I did. It's what we talked yep. about again last week. Yep. This is kind of a, yep. so I've finished it now. Okay. So I've read it. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think it's going to make, if you're on the fence and you've been trying to decide, do I want to read this and come to book club? I would say that's a hard yes. Okay. Like, I think it's worth reading. I think it is provocative, mm -hmm. highly provocative. Um, let me see if I can say this without it being a spoiler. I think if you're somebody who needs a clean resolution in a book, you need to be prepared. Oh, I don't like clean resolutions. Okay. So you just Leave need to be hanging, right? You need to be prepared a little bit okay. for, for that No, I, Cause I know some people, I have friends who are readers and they don't like mm -hmm. books that sure. don't put you a don't bow know. on it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, uh, again, just a refresher, it's a series of murders in the deep South. 
of dead white people. There is a body, uh, usually of, a, of a, an African-American in this case, next to the dead people. Um, and then the Mississippi State Bureau of Investigation gets called in. And then kind of, I think it's fair to say, kind of chaos ensues mm-hmm. after this. So, I mean, Everett is definitely uh, tackling uh, America's history of lynchings with this book. That's what it's about. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned last week, there's a magical realism component to it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think it's worth reading. I think it's definitely worth discussing. Uh, there were parts I liked and parts I didn't like, um, but I don't want to, if yeah. people haven't read it, I don't want to say anything to, to kind of. No, tell us one part you liked. Well, the two detectives from mm-hmm. from the they're great. They're very well written. They're both African American. Okay. Um, and then there's an African American FBI agent that can mm-hmm. sit down there as well. And so, like their interplay and their kind of um, relationship to the case, relationship to law enforcement, the way Everett kind of plays with the subtle shift in power dynamics mm-hmm. of the modern era in contrast to the past is okay. interesting. Um, the you know, some of the characters, the white characters are just out and out racist. Some appear to be struggling mm-hmm. a little bit with the legacy, but in ways that would not be woke, Sarah, right. but there, there is some struggle there. Um, so anyway, uh, but yeah, I like that. I like those two characters a lot and the way that he uses them um, to bring out complexity in the story. Yeah. So uh, I think the, the easy path would have had to be, would have been to have, you know, law enforcement bad. Right. Yeah. So sure. Good. Well, I'm glad it's yeah. not that way. I don't yeah. like the easy path. No, he definitely, he's, he's definitely, he takes a swing. Okay. So, I mean, you know, and I mean, it's Booker short, uh, shortlisted. Yeah. So, I mean, people have responded well. Good. good. So yeah, read it, buy it and come to book club and, and, and hang out with us. Yeah. And that's the last Friday of October. I think it's the 28th mm-hmm. or 29th. Yep. Are we coming in costume? Oh, uh, you're welcome to. I'll come as a tree. Oh, please do. Please do. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to point out that I did read the first two chapters of the passenger, the Cormac McCarthy book. Yeah. And I have to go back and reread the first two chapters of the passenger. Is it, is it, uh, uh you can get lost in his language. Yeah. It's beautiful, but I think it's about a diver, like Uh a salvage diver. Uh And and this other thing I'm listening to it because I don't have the hard copy Mm -hmm. because I can't find that anywhere. Um, But it, um, I think he's taught, like he goes down. I think there's ghosts. Oh, like the people he's talking to. I'm like, what? And I think that they're like people that he's found. Yeah. Um, Listen, can I just say, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm very excited about this, but also, if you haven't read Blood Meridian, yeah, you, you should read Cormac McCarthy. That one, don't you? Don't have to like. You can watch some. Mm-hmm. You can watch some of the movies for the other ones. Like, they're not as good, but certainly No Country for Old Men gives you the vibe. Mm-hmm. But but there's a reason Blood Meridian has never been adapted, even though many have tried. You, you just if you like a modern American literature, to me, that that book is is very nearly in a category. Okay. For my own personal Phil Blackburn power rankings. Phil Blackburn picks. Yeah. So anyway. All right. And I'll never read it again, by the way. (laughs) So, but I mean, anyway. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, good. So there you go. I don't think I've read it. Yeah. I mean. I've read The Road. 
Yep. And what's the one with the wolf? Um, is it the crossing? The crossing. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the border trilogy, which is all the pretty horses, the crossing and cities of the plain, that's meant as like a, a, yeah. a grouping. Um, you know, the road is one, the yeah, Pulitzer, that was Oprah's book club pick, mm -hmm. which was in retrospect, fairly shocking given yeah. the rather stuff that she's chosen. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, and okay. then, Blood Meridian. Yeah, Blood when Meridian did that come early uh, in his career? Early, I think it's like the eighties. Oh, okay. I was, I did not read it as a child. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into, let's, oh, let's, you want to do listener email? Yeah, let's do that. Our okay. So listener. we're so excited about this. <laughs> like if you want to respond, do it. We would love it. You can yeah. send us a Facebook message. You can dig up our emails. You can yeah. uh, come and like we're not hard to find in Fort Smith. So if you live around here, bring us a piece of paper. Yeah, anyway, with your note. I firmly believe send literature. Send us a car yeah. into seventy South Seventh Street. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes, send a pigeon. Yeah. Anyway, we'll have to get an email figured out. If, but... if, if you want to participate, this is great. So this email comes from Shane Ruffley, who is a member of my church, but also listens to the podcast. And he's following up on something I said about uh, Larry McMurtry killing the wrong people in in his books. And and he's writing about Lonesome Dove and my feeling that Gus should have survived that book. So here's what he says. Um, I think part of your take on Lonesome Dove is wrong. Call is the far more compelling character because he has completely amputated his soul and his ability to relate to anyone but Gus because of his failure to live up to his own rather high moral expectations, which is a really great, yeah. I think, take. Um, however, that is why he was the only one who could survive the harsh and absolute, un absolutely unforgiving frontier. Only someone as unforgiving as Call could even have a chance on the frontier. And then he, um, I'm going to stop there. He writes some more about some of the things Murtry has written. So anyway, Shane and I exchanged emails about this. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating because I hadn't thought of it from within the context of the novel by itself. Yeah. I thought of it um, in the context of the sequel, which mm -hmm. is The Streets of Laredo, mm -hmm. where you miss Gus, in my opinion, real bad. Yeah, um, I did like Gus a lot. Shane hasn't read Streets of Laredo. Oh, okay. And anyway, and so we had a nice email exchange about that, but I really thought his take on if you narrow it down to just Lonesome Dove mm -hmm. was really interesting. And the the ways in which, you know, uh, Call is a is has failed his mm -hmm. high moral kind of bar that he sure. set for himself with the his kind of failure to embrace his child in mm -hmm. that book. Um, anyway, I, I just I thought it was great. So I loved getting it, and I loved having the Yay! exchange with Shane. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, and so anyway, our 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 takes are not absolutes. Obviously, Sarah, <laughs> anybody that knows us, I think knows that we're more our than willing takes to. Are kind of just a shot. In the they're dark. they're just a shot in the dark. <laughs> We're just having fun talking about books and our thoughts about them. So anyway, yeah. more listener emails, please. Yeah, and and Phil, that's on you. You find you set us up an email. Okay, I'll set us up. I'll set us up an email. Yep. Just a Gmail that we can tell people to send it to. I will do it because they're clearly just they're, I mean, at the. Yeah, point. I think we'd have so many listener emails so many. if we had the email set up. Our podcast would be thirty-two minutes. Oh that. my gosh, yeah. be great! All, All right. right, so uh, well, do you want to do the? Um, Passage. passage. Well, I'm going to talk about the books and then I'll do the passage maybe okay. because one of them I think goes with this last book. So these are a couple of books that are coming out next week, um, the, the 18th of October, which again, I know I say this every week, but it blows my mind that we're in yep. the middle of October. Yep. 
I mean, I'm always surprised at where, where we are. Where we are, yeah. Yeah. So this is Sigma I think buyers. that's true on a lot of levels, to be surprised about where we are. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Not just the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Okay, so Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro comes out next week. Um, do you know Danny Shapiro? No. So she has a podcast called Family Secrets, and she has written fiction before, but it's been a minute, I think, since she's done that. Um, and her most recent book is a memoir called Inheritance. Mm-hmm. So she... Um, did a, some genetic testing and found out that the f- father that she thought was her father was not. Oh. And so um, in that book kind of unravels and uncovers mm-hmm. sort of what that did for her identity and what she thought about herself and the world and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's really a great book. Um, and then she has this podcast um, that kind of sort of delves into all that, mm-hmm. like how our family makes us yeah. or breaks us right. or whatever. Or- um, and so I really respect and admire her understanding that guy was going way too fast sorry we could see traffic it is outrageous around here it's nuts anyway um so someone who understands family dynamics Mm -hmm. and um the intricacies of that i think can write a really good novel i'm hoping i'm almost positive we'll be able to write a very good novel about that and that's one of my favorite things to read about is the sort of dysfunctional families, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so Signal Fires is um, her moving back into fiction, um, and it's it centers around these three teenagers in the, in the 80s who are in a really tragic car accident. Um, I think a woman or a girl dies, um, and then we kind of flash forward to the present, and one of the the people involved in that accident has grown and sort of held the secret, kind of felt like they've gotten past it. And this new family moves in and there's this relationship formed mm-hmm. with like the son who um, seems to be kind of special, special yeah. in whatever way. Um, and then, you know, all this stuff kind of comes out. So um, it's essentially it's sort of this family secret unraveling yeah. relationship. Okay. Uh-huh story yeah <laughs> so again i haven't read it but i think it'll be good i was looking at another interesting person we possibly. can't we can't I'm sorry focus that sounds windows. great no so a good family unraveling story yeah. yeah so i can read here that might be better by the time okay late on a summer night in 1985 three teenagers are in a tragic car crash on the quiet suburban division avenue so it's the same street that this mm. Mm-hmm. It's on later on. A girl is killed, and Theo and Sarah Wilf are left with a devastating secret that will haunt their family forever. By the time the Shinkmans move in across the street, the accident accident has faded into the past, but secrets haunt both families and cause them to become intimately intertwined. When Waldo Shinkman, a brilliant but lonely child, befriends Ben Wilf, who is struggling with his wife's decline, he once again entangles the family's fates and sets in motion the spellbinding Unforgettable. Oh my. So, anyway, I love yeah. some family drama. Yeah. I love secrets and uh-huh. traveling. Yes. I love um, young, brilliant children bringing out things that yeah. need to help the older people figure out themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it'll be good. And I, like I said, I think her history and sort mm-hmm. of how families interact mm-hmm. and work together can really make this mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a good read. So, so that's Signal Fire. Okay, Danny cool. Shapiro. And then I picked this one for you, and it does come out in paperback. So it came out the end of last year, mm-hmm. and it's now being re- released in paperback. And it's by Anadella Subin, and it's called Accidental Gods on Race, Empire, and Men Unwittingly Turned Divine. 
Great. Tell us what this is about, Sarah. This is great. First, a little bit on Anna. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a writer, critic, and independent scholar born in New York. Her essays have appeared in the New York Review of Books, Harper's, and the New York Times, the London Review of Books. She's a senior editor at Badoon. Um, She studied the history of religion at Harvard Divinity School. Accidental Gods is her first book. So I wanted to give you her credentials. Yeah, that's legit. So Mm -hmm. you would know that this isn't. A fly-by-night yeah, affair. Uh-huh. Kind of yeah. So anyway, she looks at the provocative history of men who were worshipped as gods that illuminates the connection between power and religion and the role of divinity in a secular age. Starts with Christopher Columbus, um, spans five centuries, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's a lot here. Yeah. Conversely, we see how Columbus, Cortez, and other white explorers amplified stories of their godhood to justify their dominion over native peoples, setting into motion the currents of racism and exclusion that have plagued the new world ever since they touched its shores. Mm, yeah. So I think that could be really good. Uh-huh. It, it did make me think of like um, Heart of Darkness quite a bit. Yeah. You know, did you well, ever read Heart of Darkness? I did, but it's been yeah. uh, almost 30 years. Or is it Marlowe? Or Kurtz? Kurtz mm-hmm. acts like he's the god yes, there. That's, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, that kind of gave me those vibes. But I don't know. I think that could be really interesting. And yeah. so I kind of started doing a little bit of diving on, uh-huh. on this book. And that's where I came up with our passage today. She has an essay that was published. Um, let me see if there's a date on it. What there was at the beginning. Oh, October 14th. No, that's not even that. What is that? Yeah, 2022. That's huh. when you, that's maybe That's when, when I did it. it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I don't know when it was published, sorry. Um, anyway, it's called Five Words for God. And this is when she kind of combi- combines etymology. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, sort of all of these different languages mm-hmm. and how folks would come to wherever they're going mm-hmm. and and tamper with the language mm-hmm. to make it mean what they want and, in terms of God. Um, and so this comes from, here we go. This is the third section yep. of that essay. There was a certain colonial logic that held that a territory ungoverned by a god was like a land without people, an empty frontier ready to be seized. In the mid-17th century, the first European settlers to colonize the Cape of Good Hope reported a race of people living there who had no concept of divinity at all. Yet in 1705, when the astronomer Peter Kolb arrived at the Cape to measure its winds and clouds, he also found that the race he referred to as the Hottentots had a religion of their own. Not only did they possess a higher god or great captain, but the Hottentots also apothesized a certain insect, bright green, of the dimensions of a child's little finger, and generally mistaken for a leaf. If this little-winged deity landed upon a person, they were revered as a saint, Kolb observed, and the tribe would erupt in ecstatic dances and sheep sacrifices, as if the lord of the universe was come among them. Kolb could not speak their language and would return to his native Germany to seek treatment for his failing eyesight. Yes, yet his text became the long authoritative account of the customs of the Kokoi and the San, whose populations were rapidly decimated by the violence and microbes arriving from another hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I liked it because... He doesn't know what he's talking about, clearly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He has to go get treated for his eyesight. Right. Um, and if you can't even speak the language, who knows? Like, that's just your perception of what's going on. Right. 
And even if it is, what's actually going mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. Who put you in charge? Right. Guy? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, Germany did. Did that grasshopper yeah. land on you? I don't think so. <laughs> so anyway, that's just a little snippet of this essay that's really quite fascinating. And she looks at other mm-hmm. different places and, and how mm-hmm. words are changed from. Um, there was one here that's supposed to mean um, Lord of Lords. Um, and he said it wasn't very elegant, but that's the way they talk to each other. Yeah. Um, so he changed it to something else that meant master of all things. Um, you know, that, that yeah. kind of stuff. So just sort of looking at the, the, the way, the words that we created. Yeah, you know, created. for work in my other job, mm-hmm. I was reading, uh, this will sound diff- better than it is probably. I was reading some Thomas Aquinas oh, last you. week. Aquinas wrote in the Talks 13th. Talks about him in here. Yeah, wrote in the 13th century mm-hmm. and is reflective of a kind of a growing sentiment that then took over, I think, during colonialism. And it was quite damaging in almost every area that it touched, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be religion, whether that be, you know, relations between mm-hmm. peoples. Uh, and that was the idea that the only uh, truth, true value in the world is reason, mm-hmm. that you can reason your way to everything. Like if you just, if you just think hard enough, yeah, you know, reason is, is king mm-hmm. and emotions or superstitions or anything like that, anything that deviates from, and reason of course is very deeply rooted in Europe mm-hmm. um, and European thinking. Anything that deviates from that is seen as lesser. So that had broad consequences. And to me, you can hear echoes of that there, right? Like, so he he sees something and immediately, right, instead of acknowledging his own ignorance in the area, brings his reason and his, which is, which is from a very narrow perspective Mm -hmm. and imposes his reason there and brings order to it, which is comforting, right? To be able to, to sit him. and look at it right to him, but it's deeply destructive to sure. those groups because it devalues. Yeah. If, if you can't understand something or if it doesn't make sense to your worldview, then therefore it is immediately. Yeah. I mean, this is this is modernity, mm-hmm. right? And post-modernity deconstructs that idea mm-hmm. um, in some helpful and unhelpful ways. Sure. Where truth then there's now there's no truth, mm-hmm. right? Truth is whatever I want it to be. Next week we'll read uh, the Wasteland by T. S. Eliot. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> anyway, but no, the, that made me think of of some of Aquinas's writings yeah. where anything that deviates. She does quote him at the end. Yeah, she talks a lot about. I don't see how you couldn't if right. you're going to get into that stuff. Uh, yeah, and I just thought it was just kind of a fascinating yeah. look at how. You know, because that's not something I dive into too often. No. But I think just a, a quick reminder of how we got where we are uh-huh. is always a good thing to, yeah. to think about. Yeah, I'll probably read that book. Okay. <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> we have some coming, and it's in paperback. So okay, good. good. All right. Well, I think that's it. Is that yeah. it for today? Yeah, we have a right. club coming up. We have um, all Lots kinds of, of fun stuff for the yeah. holidays. So if you don't already follow Bookish. Mm-hmm. Follow us on all the socials. Yeah, all of them. Even TikTok. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be like the youths. Yep. Come grab a copy of the trees. Yes, grab a copy. We only have a few left, but grab one. Mm-hmm. Um, and join us for book club. Anything else, Phil, you want to say? I would like to say like and subscribe and comment on the podcast wherever you find it. And give us five stars. And even if you don't like us, give us five stars. That's right. And then tell us why you don't like yeah, us. Yeah, that's right. You. <laughs> You can send us an email. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Sarah, always fun. Always. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.